Welcome to this week's edition of the Owls AmeriCast, the podcast that is continuously excited about Sheffield Wednesday nil-nil draws. I'm your host, Jeffrey Paternostro. This week, I have been missing New York. I haven't gone down for a meetup in a while. Hope to rectify that in the coming weeks. But in the meantime, I will settle for a proper 12-ounce can of New York beer. It's from a six-point brewing company. It's Three Beans, which is their bourbon barrel-aged porter with cocoa husks and coffee added. It's a nice little chocolate coffee porter. It's not overly uh, coffee-y. Sometimes you just get a little bit like actually drinking an espresso, which is not something I need in the wee hours of the morning. I just need a little bit of uh, dark beer. Did you say? Did you say it has cocoa puffs? Cocoa husks, Evan. Husks. That's that's too bad. Cocoa Mm -hmm. puffs, one of my favorite cereals. (laughs) You say cocoa puffs? You sure you don't mean cocoa pops? Oh, that as well. Yeah, they're two different kinds of chocolate cereal. This is America. We uh, like as much sugar for breakfast as possible, James. True. And cheese. I guess a puff is like a pop, but full of extra sugar. Yes. There's also uh, Cocoa Krispies and my personal favorite, Count Chocula, which my parents would never let me get at the grocery store. You didn't mention Cocoa Pebbles. Cocoa Pebbles, another one. There's a lot of chocolates. It's clearly a market. I've seen more, like, recently. There's, like, some sort of cerealized hard. It literally looks like it's a chocolate truffle. It's like a chocolate cereal with, like, actual chocolate inside of the cereal. I forget what it's called. Every time I see it, I'm like, that is literally just dessert. You're not even trying to uh, pretend it's breakfast. Oh, how do you think we got this reputation? Mm, Fair enough. Evan Skilter, would you like to lean into the stereotype and tell us that you're drinking Fireball out of the uh, three and a half liter box wine Fireball you can now get? I saw that the other day. I can't wait to get my hands on that. Uh, But no, I have uh, hot cocoa. Mm. We are trying to develop a theme. And yeah. our third musketeer this week is James Allen. James, what are you drinking? Um, I'm uh, I'm sort of uh, feeling the the pang of home. Um, so one of my favourite beers of all time is a um, a pale ale that's uh, that's made by Thornbridge, who people will know make the uh, the Wednesday pale ale back at uh, Hillsborough. Um, and uh, it's a pale ale called Kipling, which uh, which is made with uh, New Zealand Sauvignon hops. Um, which is absolutely beautiful. It's just one of the most uh, pure pale ales um, with a really, really kind of nice hoppy finish you can find. Um, and I found a, a beer from Peekskill up in the Hudson Valley this week called uh, Aussie Slang. So it's not quite um, it's not quite New Zealand hops. Um, it doesn't actually specify which hops it is, actually. It just says Southern Hemisphere hops. So I'm, I'll probably have to do a bit of uh, research to find out which, but I guess maybe there's some, uh, some Australian in there. But it's, it's about as close as I've found to uh, to an approximation of Kipling over here. I'll be, it's, it's a little bit more uh, more of a sort of hazy East Coast IPA, but it's, uh, it's very tasty, so, so I'm enjoying that. This week's show, we will uh, cover the Cardiff game. Uh, we'll cover the Cardiff game. I don't want to set things up too much on whether we consider it to be a successful result or an unsuccessful result or just a middling draw. Could be a little bit of all three. We have an actual signing in the transfer window. There are signs of life this week in Middlewood. And we will talk a little bit about the FA Cup since we already previewed Reading. Because we already played Reading in the uh, brief history of this show. We also have a very special guest for our second segment, which I will... uh, 
announced forthwith. But we will start with a review of the Cardiff City game. Uh, it's another clean sheet. Another game with three at the back holding the line. Showing some of that vaunted Sheffield steel, Evan. Yeah, uh, and we've been playing very well at the back. And we knew when, when Joss was coming in that, that he was a defensive-minded guy. And uh, he we all, we all hoped that he'd be able to shore up the back. And, and sure enough, we haven't given up a goal in, in how many matches? Three? Four now? Um, I don't think we've given up one since... Like 19 and a half days or something they said on, uh, he's been managing. on Twitter, I thought he, I saw. 19 and a half days. That's good. Uh, well, since Burton Albion. Gotcha. Right. So, yeah, it's been it's been nice to see. And, you know, perhaps that's a result of, of Lubin's not being selected in the last few matches as well, uh, which I think we'll talk about later. But I guess he's uh, was he on the mend? He's he's ready for selection or something like that. So uh, hopefully that doesn't impact us too much. But I've been pretty, pretty pleased with what we've seen at the back. So we've established a, uh, a strong back line, a back three or back five, as needed, James. Now we uh, we have to find some goals. Yeah, a goal would be nice, wouldn't it? At least a league goal. There um, were opportunities in the Cardiff game, certainly. Maybe a, maybe a few more clear-cut chances than uh, in the Derby. Yeah, and, and, and Wednesday kind of grew into the game. I thought it was, it was kind of interesting. The first probably 15, 20 minutes, it was... It was kind of like it, it. It was a bit like realizing just how far we've fallen since the heights of last season, and and even maybe even the beginning of this year. Even though this this season didn't start off on a great footing, um, you know, if you kind of cast your mind back to last year when we needed to beat Cardiff to to maintain our playoff position, and Fessy scored that late goal, um, uh, you know, after a pretty hard fought uh, game, which had stayed nil nil, um, or a couple of seasons prior on the run up to Wembley when when Hooper scored a couple and. You know, we, we kind of put Cardiff in their place. The the first 15, 20 minutes on Saturday evening, um, it was role reversal. You know, Cardiff were really the, the team in the ascendancy. They they looked like a side who were, were pushing at the top end of the table, um, you know, creating quite a lot of chances, particularly from the flanks, um, but, but defence to a firm. What was really pleasing after that, I thought, certainly after kind of the midway point of the first half, was that Wednesday seemed to kind of play their way into the game. Um, they got got the ball uh, just a little bit more under control in midfield and then really started to bring Zhao in particular in um, into the match. Uh, he had a couple of uh, a really good kind of probing runs, just kind of picking the ball up deep and and then kind of putting himself about. I thought he kind of, he, he equipped himself against Sol Bamba particularly well. Um, you know, gave um, gave Morrison a pretty good uh, run for his money as well. And then towards, you know, right by, by half time, we had a couple of golden chances. Um, and there was one ball in that, that Rhodes should have done much better with uh, uh, as, as almost a free header. Uh, maybe he was a little bit off balance, but you still expect him to put that away. Um, and then obviously Zhao slipped in Rhodes um, again, should have scored, uh, put it put it straight at the keeper and then um, uh, reach plays that high and wide. And it, it was just, it, it was really encouraging to see Wednesday, you know, first of all, kind of stabilise the game and then uh, and then start to create some chances. Um, and actually we went into half time the better side and, and carried that on as we went into the second half as well. And, and again, it was kind of, it was Zhao and Rhodes who seemed to be linking up nicely. And I think Rhodes actually uh, put Zhao in a couple of times. And, and again, he should have done better. One-on-one uh, -on -one with the keeper and, uh, and a header uh, from a Rhodes cross, which uh, he, you know, again, should have put away. So if we can start converting some of those chances and allow that with the, 
the defensive solidity that we've recently uh, discovered. Um, and I'm still hurt from the uh, the game against Burton, which was still this month. So I don't want to get too carried away too soon. But, uh, you know, we, we seem to be shoring up the back. Um, he's making us attack. Um, we're Sheffield Wednesday. I guess one day we'll be on our way back. <laughs> so we have four healthy strikers at this point. And the aforementioned Jow and Rhodes. And we saw Matthias and Yuhi in a longer look against Carlisle in the FA Cup replay. So going forward against Reading this weekend, it really... I think you'd want a longer-term striker partnership until Fletcher and or Hooper are healthy again. So you want, you want to pick two. Who are you picking, Evan? Uh, that's a good question, Jeff. I think my, my biggest curiosity lies with Pulipesi and, and what his role is going to be, at least offensively. We know he's kind of a, a defensive midfielder that uh, can ping the ball around a little bit and um, I guess plays good passes. So, you know, in, in the formation we run, if we're sending the wingers up the sides uh, and, and he's kind of a, a possession slash great passer, you know, if we're going to focus on, on playing those diagonals to each side, I'm going to want someone that can finish. And I mean, I know Rhodes hasn't been able to finish, but he he's proven that if we can play good balls into the box, he can put them into the back of the net. So I, I'd like to see us not give up on him quite yet. Um, so I'd put Rhodes up top, and then, you know, right now, if we're talking about form, I I'd, I guess I'd go with Jao and and just to see what he can see if him and Rhodes can can get together and, and do some good things. I guess mainly mainly because if if we're playing a ball in, you know, you play it to to Rhodes and. He tries to finish. If Rhodes isn't there, he can kind of play it behind him a little bit to uh, Zhao's feet, and, and he's been creative and, and taking some good shots. So maybe he uh, can do something behind Rhodes. I think maybe putting uh, Matthias and Zhao on the wings, and then having Reach kind of play as a as a more of a number number ten, maybe. I think that's a it's not a bad idea for going forward. You're suggesting a three four three. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe why not? I mean, the three man backline seems to have done okay, and having having the extra center med, which it looks like um, this Dutch kid whose last name we all don't want to say out loud. Uh, <laughs> like, as a, end, as a, no, go ahead. I feel like just by the end of the season, we're going to be like to have descended into mob football on the podcast, <laughs> playing like that. What is it, the MW or like? <laughs> Just we're just gonna go further further back in time with our formation suggestions. Or right. do the uh the crowd of ninety nine children versus <laughs> two professionals. Players. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that that's actually one of my favorite things to to look at on uh on social media is how many people just want to switch the formation every week. You know, it's like no one wants to stick to the same thing. We don't score a goal one week, so let's put three up front. Let's, you know, run a four four two diamond it's just like everyone wants to change you know we have to stick with something and um right now we've played great at the back i think this is working we just have to find the right guys to to fill in those spots and start putting into the back of the net but if we can keep the ball out of the goal good things will happen it does feel a little bit like this is a formation that was tailor-made for hooper and fletcher up front and they're just not healthy right now so we're kind of trying to do a patch job. 
and it's working to varying degrees better against League Two sides than Championship sides at the moment. And that's actually that's a good point too. Since we're in January, if Hooper and Fletcher were healthy, would we be selling some of these strikers? And if so, which ones would we try to get rid of? Um, I think if you listen to the Financial Fair Play podcast this week, um, you know that we should probably start selling somebody or some of these players. And, and I wish that we had we had more healthy strikers so we could figure that out as well. This is like a nested Russian doll of a question, isn't it? Mm. You know, we started off with what's our best front two. We've managed to divert that into what's our best front three slash favorite formation. And now we're asking the question of which striker should we sell? Um, I guess it, was, it's, uh, it wasn't it's, a very interesting game, James. <laughs> it, it wasn't. It wasn't particularly, particularly petered out after the 70th minute after uh, after Joe missed that second chance. Um, yeah, it's it's a great it's a great follow up, Evan. You know, if, if we had everybody fit, who would we play, and therefore who would you who would you also look as uh, you know players that we want to maybe offload? I mean, to answer the, the last question first, there's not many of our strikers that have real monetary value in the market right now. Um, you could probably get money back on Zhao. Um, you could definitely make money on Hooper, um, Stephen Fletcher. I don't, you know, I don't think we're, we're going to command a big transfer fee for him. Uh, Jordan Rhodes, you know, we talked about specifically in the in the FFP podcast the problems with trying to offload him given his form since he joined Wednesday and the fact that his market value has diminished significantly. He would probably be a cost to Wednesday right now. So, you know, I think our real target is to get the best out of him one way or another, or to get him to get the best out of himself. Um, and then you've got players like Adi who, again, you know, they don't really have market value. So the, the question really is, you know, do they play a useful stopgap position until their contracts run out in the summer? I think for me, I, I, I want to be excited by the players we play up front. So, you know, as soon as he's fit, I want Hooper back in the team. You know, he just offers a, a, a dimension of difference in terms of his movement, the way he drags defenders all over the place, the way he'll he'll be the poacher in the box one minute and then linking the play deep the next i actually think Zhao, game by game is getting better and better at the moment um and i'm kind of curious what those two would look like as a as a front pairing uh, in time you might say that maybe they've both got the same tendency to drop deep you want someone who's going to play up top so that's where uh yos lukas four three two one comes in uh you know what if uh, what if they were both seeing a little bit deeper and then you've got one kind of prime target man up top whether that's fletcher or, or whether you play Rhodes as kind of the fox in the box player i don't know um but there's, there's a lot of interesting things to happen when the squad gets fitter I have to admit that I haven't been following Hooper's injury. Like, do we have a sense of how bad it is and when he'll be back or if he's even, like, in training or just gone? Well, we got reports this week that Bannon and Lees were back in training, and we did not get a report this week that Hooper was back in training. So I would assume that uh, in a roundabout way probably answers your question. Um, mm. As far as... You know, medium or longer term, I don't know. They've been fairly cagey in going back to the Carlos era on injury timetables. So usually they just sort of like, oh, he's back in training now. You sort of find out the week of. There's there's not a dedicated Sheffield Wednesday injuries Twitter feed that I just don't know about. There's not. I'm still waiting for the Sheffield Wednesday uh, injury podcast to mm. come out. We have a podcast for everything else now. Um, <laughs> I think you've identified a gap in the market play. here, Luke. 
I mean, um, you, you, all you need to do is kind of you know create the Twitter handle at Crocked Wednesday, and, uh, and away you go. You'll probably get two thousand followers in uh, in a week. I just I hope I wouldn't get the wrong kind of followers who are you know looking for tips on uh... crackery. Yeah, that's I couldn't think of the word. Yes, <laughs> your your daily crockery updates. That's why you go with at injuries eleven, obviously. In Roman numerals. Oh. At the end of the day, we all agree that nil nil was a fair result. Um, did not seem to make Neil Warnock particularly happy, and he, as Neil Warnock does, took the opportunities to take the piss a little bit out of the game, saying that uh, there'll be many more draws if Wednesday continues to play like that. And I have to say, I almost feel bad for Colin at this point because he doesn't really have like you know in the good old days when it was Brian Laws or Gary Megson he could really get like them wound up with this kind of stuff I feel like he doesn't really have like Yasla Huke doesn't really care what Neil Warnock says in his post-game presser Yasla Huke doesn't actually care who Neil Warnock is yeah I mean that he got he got his uh, he got his rise in early by saying that he actually didn't know who uh, who Colin was in the pre-match interview so you're right. It's kind of he hasn't really got a sparring partner, has he? He didn't have one in Carlos either. No. Nope. Uh, he you know sort of rose above the fray in terms of that type of banter. But uh, no, it was, it was quite nice to see him a little bit wound up at the end and you know trying to find reasons to be miserable. Um, what was it he said he doesn't see, see us scoring many more goals this season? Well, yeah. yeah, we haven't scored that many this season so far, so that's not that's not much change um, until we we put this lightning uh, forward formation in that we've just been talking about. Uh, so yeah, it's always nice to, to kind of you know spike his uh, spike his guns a little bit. Um, I thought it was interesting in, in, as a whole with Cardiff. You know, they they definitely look like a team who you know will trouble a lot of Championship defences this season. You can see why. You know, largely speaking, they they've got results, but they definitely weren't world beaters. They weren't in the class of uh, you know some of the teams that have come to Hillsborough over the last couple of years who've been right there at the sharp end of the table. Um, you know, not a patch on a Brighton side of of last year, for example. Um, or Burnley the year before that, so it'll be interesting to see how how the rest of their season pans out because I'm I'm not convinced that they are top two material, um, but they've they've certainly accumulated enough and got enough momentum in the squad that they're 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 going to be there or thereabouts in the promotion shakeup. So I'm sure it's not the last we've heard of uh, of Mr. Warnock uh, for uh, for the 2017-18 season. I think somebody's well, got to finish to... second in this league, and it's a shit league this year. So right, you know, back back to his comments though, I, I think. One thing we can take away from that is the fact that we've actually wound up two managers in, in two league matches because, you know, after we played United, um, what was it that, that their manager said? Something like, well, they, they did run around for, for 90 minutes or something like that. The least I expect of my team is to run around a lot. And something about, like, Carlos watching that in Wales and being disappointed. Yeah, I mean, it, he was clearly frustrated. You don't say stuff like that if you're you're not frustrated or you're, or you're happy with how things went and i think wilder was the same way you know he was he was definitely frustrated that you know they, they, they didn't get to score a goal and so he found something to to chide us about so i think we're frustrating managers which is a good sign um and we, we've already talked about the goals to come but um I'm, I'm happy that he was frustrated and hopefully we can continue to play well at the back and and get some more comments to talk about on the podcast for now, we'll turn over the podcast to another Wednesday. We'll take a short break. When we come back, we'll have an interview with former Sheffield Wednesday midfielder and current Louisville City head coach, James O'Connor.
Evan is very excited about this, by the way. Yeah, current Evan Idol. Okay, so we have a special guest on the line this week. We're very happy to have James O'Connor, ex-Sheffield Wednesday midfield terrier and current USL Championship Manager uh, for the Louisville City. Um, James, uh, welcome to Owls Americast. Uh, thanks for joining us. Yep, good evening. Now it's a uh, pleasure to be on the show and uh, thanks for having me. So for some of our um, fans that may not know your Wednesday past, we've got a lot of new fans joining us from uh, America as well. Uh, you play for Stoke, West Brom, Burnley. You spent four years at Wednesday from 2008, over 150 appearances. Uh, you left in 2012 uh, to move to the States to play for Orlando City. Uh, and in 2015, became the head coach of uh, the USL side, Louisville City. And last year, like I said, you won the championship. So uh, congratulations, first of all. Thank you. Yeah, no, it was a, uh, a great year for us. So um, hopefully we can continue and, uh, and go on and uh, have another successful year this year. Yeah, I'm actually and uh, actually... I'm a bit jealous that Patrick got to congratulate you first because I don't know if you know this or not, but I'm actually a big Louisville City supporter. And uh, I live up in Ohio, about three hours away. But uh, I made it down for about, oh, fabulous! Yeah, I made it down for about five or six matches, uh, including all of the USL matches with with FC Cincinnati, which uh, those are always fun to see. So, um, very proud yeah, of you. Yeah. yeah, sorry, sorry. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate that. No, no, it's it's, it's great. No, they're they're massive games. The the Cincinnati games, obviously, are. Are huge, not not as big as the Sheffield Derby, but maybe maybe one day, you know, it'd be nice. <laughs> so yeah. we're going to ask you that about actually with the uh, the Derby was last week. Do you manage to watch any of the game? No, myself and and Sean McCauley actually are on the uh, the pro license, so we we were laughing. We were in the uh, on the course, and you know, we at every opportunity we're we're checking our phone to see how the game was going. <laughs> ideally, we wanted to sit and watch it, but we. You know, we were stuck in the classroom, so we were we were trying to edge our bets and try to see could we get to see any of it. But we didn't manage to see it. But we were watching it from uh, from our phones and, and saw the results. So um, I think we, we happy enough for the draw in the end, I believe. Yeah, yeah I think so. Yes, yeah. so you've played in a few uh, derbies yourself, haven't you? Including both of the games that we did the double over United in in two thousand eight, two thousand nine, uh, and you're on the pitch for two games screamer. Uh, so what was it like to play in those matches in the Steel City? That was incredible. I mean, I think when you look at the uh, the atmosphere and the build-up of those games, I think it was um, yeah, a really, really special occasion. Um, I think the uh, you said to do the double over them. I mean, there's there's uh, two sort of very strong memories I have. Was the the Friday before we played in uh, in Bramall Lane, my wife called because our um, my son was uh, was getting ready to be born, so uh, we had to. To manage that, she was getting ready to go into labour, and the game was kicking off at twelve thirty. So um, we managed to, uh, she well, thankfully Amy managed to hold off. So I stayed for the <laughs> night in Sheffield, played the game Saturday, and then as soon as the game finished, raced to the uh, race back to the hospital. Um, but we were, you know, we were fortunate he wasn't born till till three o'clock in the morning. So you know, I ended up having a bit more time than I thought. <laughs> oh wow, that's a, that's quite a dramatic day for you then. That was incredible. I mean, really special to to do the double over. I think it was the first time that that Wednesday done the double in ninety years or something. So it was a 
that was it was probably the, the proudest moment of, of my time at Sheffield was to, to have that and to be a part of, of that. So I think it's uh, it's something that I definitely look back with with very fond memories of. Awesome. That's great. And um we were talking about this in the podcast last week about kind of uh, how do you how do you uh, judge like the rivalries? I know obviously there's a lot more history and a bit more kind of years of uh, rivalry and bitterness between the English clubs because they've been going for so long. But um, you've got some uh, some burgeoning rivalries happening in the USL. Uh, do you think like the uh, we spoke to Evan about this too? Do you think the American fans uh, understand the, like the rivalries that are kind of embittered between uh, two uh, old clubs like Sheffield United and Sheffield Wednesday? I think um, definitely since I've experienced the, the Louisville Cincinnati one, I think that that there's definitely a yeah, we'll say a warming of the tensions between those supporters. I think <laughs> um, certainly since they they've come into the league, I think there's there's definitely been a yeah, a real development and a, I would say a real rivalry. I think sometimes in the US they they try to create a rivalry where there's you know, there's maybe there's a, there's a five or a seven hour difference. Um, I think, but when you have the proximity of Cincinnati and Louisville, we're being so close. Um, I think, and there's there's a natural rivalry there um, with Ohio and, and Kentucky. So um, I think that's really taken off. That's probably the closest I would say to some of the rivalries that are in England. But uh, I I don't think you could quite compare the the um, the Cincinnati Louisville. Rivalry with, with say the Sheffield rivalry. I think that the Sheffield rivalry has been bent over like a, a hundred years. So I mean, it'll it'll take some time to be able to catch that up. But I, I think certainly for a yeah for a starting point, that uh, that rivalry is is very very good. You you know one thing people don't realize in, in England is, you know, we we play Sheffield United twice, but last season you played FCC four times over the course of the year, right? Three four USL th- matches and yeah. then one cup match. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. they get to see each other quite a bit, and uh, it's it's definitely different. And I'm sure with all the history back in England, there's um, it, there's no comparison really. But um, I'll tell you this much: I really dislike FCC, and I know you can't comment <laughs> on that, James. But um, that's that's my own opinion. There. I can vouch for that too, James. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So well, uh, I, mean, I think it was. Yeah. It was nice to beat them the last time, so you know. Hopefully, we can do the same this year with them. They'll be stronger this year for sure. Yeah, they're making some big signings, and I saw you guys made made a few as well. So uh, it looks like things are progressing well. Uh, so I guess I, I'm curious. You know, you mentioned that the the derbies being some of your fondest memories. Do you have any other ones that um, stick out in your mind from your time in Wednesday? Yeah, I mean, I think the uh, that was certainly the the uh, I would say the the most pleasing aspect. I think beating Sheffield United, I think doing the double over them was was great. I think the biggest disappointment was was the relegation, and that was something that that still haunts me now. If I'm being honest, um, I think that was probably something that you look at and you, you try to learn as much as you possibly can from. So, um, I think there was a, there was a high with the. Uh, we're doing the the, uh, the double over Sheffield United and then a major disappointment and in, um, in obviously getting relegated that year. So I think there's been lots of lessons that I've been able to learn from that experience and try to take into uh, into management and try to uh, to use it as a as an overall positive learning experience. Yeah, definitely. So um, you know, if we shift our focus over here to to the USL season, 
it's definitely a grind, isn't it? You know, you play in the U.S. summer, it's pretty warm, uh, especially when you get into the South. And so I, I guess I'm just curious what, what some of your keys to maintaining the consistency is throughout that grind. You know, there, there are a lot of times, especially at Louisville, you have some guys that go play internationally as well uh, throughout that stretch. So how do you stay fresh and, and keep things moving in the summer? I think preseason is is probably the most underrated part of of any um I would say soccer team it's, it's the most important part of the year I think you you need to build base fitness you need to get a good foundation you need to do a lot of injury prevention work um so it's it's something we pay a lot of attention to um I think especially as you say in the summer throughout the US you know Midwest you, you get a lot of humidity you go south you get a lot of humidity so again it's trying to Try to manage those uh, those games that are in the in the really extreme heat. I know we played New York last year, and it was it was a four o'clock kickoff. I think it was touching ninety degree, or touching a hundred degrees. And um, so you, you get games like that on turf that are are very difficult. And I think mentality comes into play as well, and, and people's desire. So um, I think that's something that we've um, we, we've tried to embark on as we've we started off here. Now we go. It's just a fair-skinned Irishman as well. That's not something you really enjoy playing in, James. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I, I was smiling. I mean, Evan, when you're, you're saying you get, you know, it gets a little bit warm in the summer. I thought that's just pretty, pretty big. Yeah, uh, <laughs> when you look at the heat that gets here, I mean, I felt at times last year we were, you know, the sun was five inches away from my head. It was so hot, <laughs> you know incredible the heat sometimes i think you get the yeah, the blistering heat especially here with the humidity it can get it can get stifling at times yeah i haven't made it out to um louisville yet but uh, i promised everyone will go uh to a, to a game soon so uh, hopefully get over and see you guys yeah it'll be great now we've got uh, we've got some big games coming up and we'll have the the brand new stadium in 2020 which will be incredible i mean there's there's massive plans here with the uh, the redevelopment of the the Butcher Town area, and there's a a 45 million stadium that's going to be there, which will be ours, which is be that'll be incredible. So we're we're all geared towards making uh, making that take over. Yeah, that was actually something I wanted to bring up because um, you know something we talk a lot about amongst ourselves is just the difference in uh, I guess fan bases from England to the United States, and obviously soccer is is a much uh, younger sport here and I'm curious what your take is on the just the growth of the game in the United States and, and what the supporters have been like I know that they were um, they were very influential in getting that support for the new stadium they played a huge a huge role in this I think that they've shown sort of tremendous passion throughout our time um, I think that there's a real core group that really go um, and support the team and are very vocal in that support in the community, whether it's at games or whether it's at a march or, you know, we had a lot of um, meetings with the with the Metro Council and they came out in, in real numbers and, and showed their, their support both uh, online and in person. So I think uh, for us, it's, it's we feel very fortunate to have so many people that are, are committed to supporting the team and um, it's just... It's been fantastic the way the community have uh, have received and accepted us. So, uh, James, we had uh, Steve Cook on the uh, on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, and he's obviously just taken charge of the uh, Oklahoma Energy, and he said he really wants to play you guys in the final. Are you happy with that? 
Yeah, I mean, I spoke to Cookie there the weekend because we were obviously in, in Florida. So, um, yeah, great lad. I mean, I'm delighted to see him get an opportunity at, at Oklahoma. So, yeah, I mean, it'll be fantastic to, to get to the final and to play Cookie. That'll be that really would. It'll be incredible. So, um, yeah, I mean, fingers crossed we can both, both have a strong season and, and make that happen. Yeah, with you guys, uh, Steve, and uh, obviously Sean McCauley as well at Portland. Uh, there's a good uh, Wednesday contingent over here. I want, to, I want to get John Harks back in the, uh, the management fold. I'm not sure what uh, he's up to at the moment. Do you, um, yeah, I spoke to, to John a few months ago. He's, he's, um, yeah, I think he was, he was obviously disappointed the way things had, had worked out from Cincinnati. He had a, a very strong year there, I felt, as well. I mean, he, they finished third in the league, and you know, I thought he, he was doing a good job there, but I think for, for whatever reason, it didn't quite, quite work out there. Yeah, yeah, he was, was actually the only thing that made me even a little bit compassionate for for FCC. And as soon as they <laughs> let him go, everything went out the window for me. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, no, he's, he's a nice guy. Yeah, good. Are, are there other players that you still keep in touch with? You get to, to chat with some of the old teammates? I haven't spoken. Uh, I'm trying to think. I mean, I keep an eye. I know Steve Watson's just been appointed at, at Gateshead there just before Christmas. Um, I used to travel in with, with Watto. Um, we both used to live on the, uh, the other side of Manchester. So um, I saw he's been, he was the assistant Macclesfield and he was, he's was he gone to Gateshead as the uh, as the manager. Um, so, I mean, I think you, you always look at players you played with um, and you you try to see how they're doing, and uh, you hope that they're they're getting uh, the success that they uh, they're striving for. Good stuff. So, um, just a couple more questions here, but but the one that you know I think is the the biggest question here in the United States is the the issue of promotion and relegation. Um, you know, you guys you finished first in the East, and then you won the cup. You know, you, you were the USL champions. But next year you're you're still playing in USL, which nothing against USL. I love the league and I think the management does a great job. But you know you you get the cup, you get great publicity, etc. But there's no reward of promotion. And I'm curious what your thoughts are. You know, coming from England and to to here where there's no promotion relegation. Yeah, I mean it's a, it's a great question. I think for us when I, I look at the. Um the three years that we've been here, I think when you look at the the combined standings, we finished second three times. Um, so that would obviously be three automatic promotions. Um, so it's it's definitely not lost on me. I can assure you. Um, I think when you you look at the uh, the system in Europe that we're, we're from, where you're used to to promotion and relegation, I think. Um, my hope is that it does get introduced um, in America. I think. If I'm being honest, I think potentially USL with the the second and third division status, I think that there may be an opportunity for them to to try to implement it. Um, that'll be very interesting to see whether they keep that as second division and third division separately, or whether they try to to introduce promotion relegation. Um, I think the issue with MLS, it's it's almost akin to the Premier League only. They get to uh, to run their own league, and they're not necessarily part of the football league. And I think historically, when you look at the uh, the sports here, you look at the the major league sports. There's there's no promotion relegation in any sport. It's it's treated purely as a business. Um, you enter the the major league to become a business partner, um, and like we all know, when you're in business, you don't want to put any any finances at risk, and, and that's the one thing that relegation. 
I think brings is, is financial risk. Um, I think certainly when people look at the uh, the system in in Europe, and uh, I know a lot of the owners would would think that it's a, it's a crazy system. Um, I think the piece that they're missing, I think, is you know if you're fighting relegation and you manage to stay up, it brings a lot of excitement, and it can also it can also increase revenue opportunities because you have a possibility of uh, of getting bigger crowds when there's massive games and there's bigger games. I think, you know, too often in, in the MLS, there's, there's teams that can't make the playoffs and still have multiple games to go and, and those games become, in essence, meaningless. Um, and I think if you look at, if you look at the European system, it's, you know, a lot longer before you, you you come across a meaningless game. You know, teams are generally fighting for relegation, fighting off relegation, are fighting to get promoted. Um, so I think it's something that will be introduced. It's just how they go about trying to introduce it. Um, I think it was it was very interesting to me to see that the the MLS had been offered. I think it was four four billion dollars from a. Uh, a marketing company um, that were, were interested in buying the rights to, uh, to MLS but then introducing a promotional relegation system. So my hope is that one day, it, uh, you know, perhaps US soccer can um, can buy a controlling stake in MLS, buy a controlling stake in, in USL and then introduce a, uh, a promotional relegation system and, and sell the rights to uh, to a big marketing company that would be interested in there. Uh, and doing that, I think that would be that would be my hope and vision. It may take ten, fifteen years to uh, to come. Yeah, and it's, I think it's something that's going to continue to be a conversation, especially with the appointment of the new uh, the, the USSF president. Uh, a few people have different uh, opinions on the. Uh, which way to go with the US, but I think that's definitely going to be an ongoing conversation here in the, about the pro relegation uh, uh, fight, really, and who wants it and who doesn't want it. Uh, we've got a few silly questions for you to end the interview with. I really do appreciate your time, James. Uh, we actually asked on Twitter some of our followers if you've got any uh, questions for James O'Connor. Um, <laughs> the first question we have is Did you like your chant? Can you remember the chant that Wednesday fans had for you? Yeah, I can't. Yeah, no. no. <laughs> I will repeat on it because it's quite rude. Yeah, no, it's caught on actually. It seems to have, that seems to have stuck. I mean, we still get some supporters in Louisville that'll that'll say it. And, uh, yeah, no, I, I thought it was it was great the Wednesday fans to uh, to have that song. And uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's all good banter. So uh, it's, uh, if, it's I mean, it's, it's a rare football song that praises Ginger Hair. So that's one of the good things about it. Uh, it's quite a rude song. Yeah, you can't exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just Google it. Google it on YouTube for James O'Connor's chant, and you'll you'll find it pretty quickly. It's glad to hear you liked it, though, James. Uh, the other thing was, I think it's a great question. This: uh, What would you have done if you'd scored that overhead kick? I think it was against Brentford in maybe 2012. Can you remember that? Yeah, I, I sure can. <laughs> I think it was. Uh, you know, it, it would have been probably the best goal I've ever scored. I mean, yeah. I, I was joking with my brother after the game. It was. It was something as kids that we used to do regularly, um, and I, I can still see the surprise on there, uh, on the manager's face. I think it brought a really smile to his face. He's probably thinking, "Where's that come from?" You know. Um, so, it would have been a, a very special goal, that's for sure. Yeah. I mean, for fans still to be talking about it, like, like five and a half years later, I think that's what one of the things about the Wednesday fans is great. Is that it's about the characters in the game, isn't it, James? And you're obviously a big character for us, and. Uh, I think the fact that you attempting an overhead kick in the, like the 12 yard box of the opposition is something that I think the whole cop would have gone nuts for. 
yeah. I think, to be honest, uh, I think everyone was in disbelief. Uh, people were scratching their eyes and thinking, is that O'Connor? <laughs> it was good effort, though. It was a great save. It was. I mean, it was uh, It was a shame. It really was. I mean, it was, um, yeah, I, I caught it really sweet. And uh, it's funny, as a, I speak to our guys about it a lot. As a, as a kid, when you're playing, you, you tend not to... Uh, to think too much, you tend to play with a lot of freedom and just go and express yourself. And then, as you as you get older, you, you start to get coached and you get more conditioned. And um, yeah, it, it is. It's incredible how it works out. But yeah, it was. It would have been fabulous if it had gone in. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, thanks, Lewis Southam, for asking that question. That's a great question. We had new, numerous people, uh, two or three people, ask um, uh, mentioning that you were a great clapper and did your did your hands hurt from clapping on the pitch so much. This is something I didn't remember so much, but I looked back at some footage, and you are often encouraging your teammates by clapping your hands. Yeah, no, I mean it was something. Yeah, it was something that I I, I sort of would always try and um, and motivate and uh, and try and and push people to their limits. Even when I was playing, I think I was always trying to to drive uh, to drive the team forward. I think it, I wasn't the you know the most talented player. I wasn't going to start affecting games you know in a, in, a, in a great way with my talent so for me it was more showing leadership um, and trying to to get the ball to the players that could uh, could really hurt the opposition and try to really drive the team towards getting three points so um, I think my biggest strength was my desire and will to win and um, I think that was certainly something that I was I was very keen to do was to was to win so as a player I would always try and, and push and drive and, and motivate as, as best I could because it, it meant so much to me when I was playing well, I'll tell you yeah, what, you're, uh, you're a fantastic leader, and it's been personally an honor for me to talk to you know, someone that, from Wednesday history, but also talk to the man that's been uh, leading my favorite club to, to so much success. I, we definitely appreciate having you on and wish you really, really good luck going forward, and I'm looking forward to another uh, great Louisville City season. Yeah, well, look, yeah, you have my number, so just let me know when you're coming down. I can I can sort you out some tickets. So you know, feel free just to give me a shout, and I'll uh, I'll get you some tickets. So it'd be nice to meet you. So let me know for sure. Yeah, great. Uh, Thank you so much. We're a bit short of Wednesday news this week. There's some bits and bobs, as we alluded to last week and as became official this week. And as we mentioned in the first part of the show, Joey Pelopesi has signed from Heracles in the Dutch League. He made the bench on Saturday, but didn't see any time on the field. Obviously, the most notable thing about him is that incredible square jawline, James. I don't know why you're coming to me to talk about his square jawline after my uh, my waxing comment of last week. Um, it's not like I've been very carefully paying attention to his uh, his physique and personal uh, personal cleansing regimen. Uh, yeah, he's uh, he's a pretty well put together guy, isn't he? Um, I actually think that this seems to be kind of a, a theme running through the entire Wednesday observational fan base because I think it was I can't remember if it was Dom or uh, Dom Housen or Chris Holt on uh, on Twitter who was observing the size of his biceps as well. Mm. So we've, we've all got little uh, a little thing for Joey. Um, he, uh, I think, what's been encouraging for him is, you know, he's come into the club. He's clearly already match fit. You know, he's been playing most of the season in Holland, um, captaining his side. You know, we 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 
don't need to worry about his ability to to hit the ground running. The question is, can he you know can he adapt to Championship football quickly? And um, I guess they they decided not to throw him straight into the fray against Cardiff. But hopefully we do uh, we do get to see that dual line in action. Um, you know, ideally starting on Friday night against Reading. You know, like why not use the FA Cup the as a good uh, a good testing environment? I'm curious to see if his hair actually moves when he's on the pitch, because much like uh, Hutch, is very well quaffed. Presumably, that was one of the criteria for selecting a uh, you know second Hutch in the CDM role. We needed somebody who had an equally good uh, a good quaff in terms of uh, the the quality of the hair. So yeah, no, absolutely, it does look extremely well gelled. And it sounds like they got him. I, I've seen various things online, but for about half a million euros, which. I don't know, may end up being a good bit of business. I guess we'll see. It's certainly not a incredible cash outlay. Uh, no, it's a, not a Jordan. A it's not Jordan for Rhodes. A, you know, of, for a uh, hole in the squad right now that we need to fill. Exactly right. And again, you know, this kind of comes back to the FFP theme that, that we talked about, Adam Van Eitem, yesterday. Um, I think that's the type of signing you're going to see Wednesday making much more of going forwards, which is, you know, look at look at his age, look at the amount we've paid for him. Look at where he's coming from. Uh, you know, it's not a particularly big cash outlay as, as an upfront transfer fee. That means we don't need to amortise that over time uh, quite so significantly. You know, his wages presumably are a little bit more uh, within uh, bounds uh, in terms of the overall kind of wage bands of the squad. And, and at 24, with the pedigree that he's got, if he's a success at Wednesday, then you know whether we make the Premier League or otherwise, he's, he's a saleable asset, which um, which gives us some options. So, so I think it. I think it's very very symptomatic of the type of signings you're going to see Wednesday making going forward that we'll have to make going forward. Um, so so pleased to see that type of signal of intent as we go into the window. On the other hand, uh, our left back from Feyenoord, I think it was like Marquise, Marquis, Marquois, Nellum, whoever he is, he's not coming to Wednesday, which does leave a little bit of a gap at left back still, Evan. What's wrong with Morgan Fox? He's okay. <laughs> he was okay. He was better in the Cardiff game. I know oh, you I said you disagree. Being completely sarcastic. He was better. He, yeah. There's no question he was better, but he couldn't get worse. So, you know, good for him. Um, I remember gosh. him making a, a pretty good last-ditch tackle or a, a pretty good, like, clearance off the line or something. I mean, the only kind of tackles Morgan Fox can make or last ditch tackles usually because the players already gotten behind him <laughs> well right yeah he's not making a tackle up front is he um, that's mean that is mean on my part it's so like i i don't know how morgan fox became like the punching bag on this podcast because i actually sort of like him but well he he just had a bad run of form yeah and, it happens. and you you are right he played fairly well yeah uh the other day and he, he i'm i'm certain he's a good player and i'm certain he can play well and you know he, he has looked better since we've gotten the new manager. So you know hopefully he gets a little a little more confidence back and, and starts moving the ball forward and and playing some better defense. So yeah, to be to be fair, he is better. No, um, let's 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 not be fair. I'm I'm not having that. I'm sorry. Go on. Go uh, on. Let's let's stick to our principles on this podcast, please. Um, it's rare that I'll go after a footballer. I don't want to make it too personal, but Morgan Fox is not of the standard that we need at left back if we have any aspirations of uh, of moving up this league and getting back into a promotion position. Um, and I, I don't hold with the argument that he's got better under this manager either because he looked woefully out of his depth against United. Um, and 
I, I frankly don't think he looked much better against Cardiff. Um, the one challenge you're referring to, I think, was when he collided with the post and sort of inadvertently blocked something that was kind of coming in at the back post, having lost his man um, from either a corner or a free kick, which had led to the cross. I can't quite remember which way around it was. But but no, Morgan Fox is not is, is not getting better. Um, and we need to think about an upgrade. So it's not going to be our guy from Feyenoord, but we need to find somebody else. Well, there you have it, folks. <laughs> He's not very good. <laughs> Uh, there is some good news on the injury front, as we alluded to earlier. Barry Bannon and Tom Lees both back in training this week. Remains to be seen when the gaffer will decide they are eligible for selection, or fit for selection. Obviously, Bannon goes right back into the squad, but uh, Luke, do you think Tom Lees has a place in this uh, 3-5-2? He could. I mean, he's certainly... He's certainly got the got the height and I think the positional awareness to do um I I believe Lee's is a left footed center back. Is that correct? I'm not uh, sure if anybody Leuven's knows off the top play, there. You, Leuven's usually preferred to play on the left. Okay. In the, I, when, I, was a, when there was two at the back or two center backs. Yeah, I think I think Lee's I think Lee's had or at least he used to have the mobility and the uh the, the kind of speed and gumption to to play that that center role, um, the center in the back three role, um, but you know it's a new it's a new position for him. Um, I'm 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 not going to go on record and saying he can't do it, but you know I say we we wait and find out. I guess you'd want to give him a shot if nothing else. Um, I am curious to see how they deploy the back three against Reading and even going forward off that both uh, Nielsen and O'Grady were in the starting lineup for the under 23s yesterday I it was today it might have been today actually it might have been this morning I think it was this morning yeah, yeah. Um, it doesn't Guys. necessarily not make them available for selection on uh, Friday but I do I wonder... have a quick I need to interject for a second because I don't want us to get off the topic of, of Tom Lee's before I have a chance to uh, to jump in. Is it possible that that Lee's jumps in to to one of those three center back roles and, and Pudil moves to moves back to left winger or left wing back? I guess. I mean, you could do that. I thought Pudil's looked really really good uh, on the left side of that back three. I mean, it's certainly an option. Then you have Lee's, Lubins, and Venancio, which makes me a little bit nervous but it might just be the having watched lees and Leuvens for the first right. third of this year sort of struggle to maintain their spot and i think in fairness to lees i do wonder given what was eventually revealed about the severity of his groin injury if that wasn't bothering him uh even before he went out of the squad and that it might just be a convenient excuse for me who's always been a been a strong Tom Lee's fan, but you know, I sure. they have some options. I just I don't know if I'd move like in two I mean, separate we're, we're, in two separate since this year, Poodles looked really good uh in center back, both in the uh the four four two we were playing at the beginning of the season when he sort of got press ganged into that role, and now in the uh three five two. I don't know if I'd wanna move him from that. Yeah, but, I mean the, so the, the the issue you've got back. actually is sorry, go on, Evan. No, I, I just I'd like to hear your opinion since you were 
Um, so adamant about replacing Fox because if we're so desperate for a left back, uh, I would imagine having Poodle at left and, and then, uh, you know, inserting Lees and having that back three of, of Lees, Venancio, and, and Leuven's would be a better option than, than having Poodle there, one of those three out and, and keeping Fox at the left back spot. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, my view is we we have to go out and we have to sign left back. Or you know, I'm kind of curious to see. I think Matt Penny was actually playing a little bit more advanced today uh, in the under 23s game than, than left back. But I'm curious to see if he could play that left wing back role as well. But but yeah, I I, I personally I would look at moving Padil back uh, into the to the left left sided role. Um, but it, for a different reason, which is that when you've got um, uh, Yost Manekin fit. Because he he's the left sided centre back in our yeah. squad. Tom Lee's mm. Tom Lee's is a right sided centre back. So you're really talking about whether or not you play Lee's Venancio and Van Aken when they're fit, uh, or whether you uh, you keep Levens in in that back three. Um, and and for that reason, I'd move Padil to uh, to left back. I think he's done a, an admirable job, but he's not a centre back by by choice. Um, and you know, and also he's out of contract in the summer. So he's I'm, I'm going to be really harsh here and say he's not part of the future. When we uh, when we start shaping up for for next season, so I, I'd prefer to start looking at how we use the younger players uh, who've got some learning to do. But um, but the likes of Van Aken, Lees, Venancio, I think they're more our future than Padil and Leuven's and uh, and definitely Morgan Fox. I think it's also entirely possible we're going out and signing two strapping German centre backs at some point this summer. When you say strapping, yeah, I... you mean extremely well built. Yes. Yes. I heard I heard Matt Hummels was was a target. That's uh, ambitious. Yeah, they were talking about it on Wednesday Sing. Yeah, he's, he's probably <laughs> headed over. They're talking to him now. Represented by Doyen Sports. Ah, yes, of course. I mean, Luke, I think we're all okay with a Matt Hummel signing. Yeah, I'd, I'd take that. Um, I'd take, uh, take young American John Brooks, who uh, oh. I think played uh, at Hertha Berlin for uh, for new gaffer and intriguing you should start a twitter account uh for I should. that when That's wednesday german wednesday german rumors yeah. actually i should play up i should play up the dutch angle wednesday dutch rumors get uh get my distant coven cousins involved <laughs> you've got a busy evening with twitter accounts to go and create Luke. Uh, <laughs> yeah. what have you got now you've got crocs 11 transfers 12 and uh, and dutch german rumors.com <laughs> Hey, I can build websites, so I can help you with that. Deutsche, no. What's the uh, Niederland Deutsch rumors? I actually don't Jeff, know. Jeff, is works. it possible that we've got a little bit off subject here? It's no. a little bit possible, James. I like that we're capitalizing on the momentum from the incredibly popular FFBP podcast from earlier in the week by putting together this wonderfully coherent show. Hey, did you guys see that Swansea beat Liverpool? I was no about one was to talking about that. it. Yeah. Normally here we have dispatches from American soccer, but there's not much to talk about in American soccer. It's very cold in most of America right now, and not much soccer is being played. But we do have dispatches from Welsh soccer, um, as our former paramour has gone on to, uh, I want to say great things at Swansea, because they are still at the foot of the table in the Premier League, but uh, put together a very nice performance at home against Liverpool on Monday. And got a very, very valuable three points in the middle of a relegation scrap. Well, I'm, I think if uh, if anyone can beat Liverpool, it's Carlos. I may have uh, noted in our New York Hells WhatsApp group at halftime when people were like, they're halfway from, they're one half away from beating Liverpool. I'm like, 
yeah, I've never seen a Carlos team blow a 1-0 lead in the second half. <laughs> never seen that happen. Not recently yeah. at all. But they held it together pretty well, and it was some literal last-ditch defending and the help from the uh, post. But, yeah, good three points. Yeah, I think it's most Carlos. remarkable for the, the beautiful comment that uh, the dearly departed mm. Carvajal made uh, post-match, right? Yes. When he, uh, oh. he decided to fish in his bag of crazy sporting <laughs> analogies, and he, he discarded the fish and potatoes, forgot about the, uh, the meat on the fire, and came up with... Uh, Liverpool is like a Formula One car. If you put a Formula One car in London traffic at 4 p.m., it won't go very far. It was just uh, it was just classic Carlos. And you, you kind of realise that, you know, he, he was just being himself when he was at Wednesday and he's being himself now, albeit he's got a better squad of players. Um, I also liked his comment that says he's never played for a draw, which I think was in the pre-match for <laughs> Liverpool, um, which uh, quite a few Wednesday nights rightly took issue with. Uh, you could argue he was playing for a draw in the, the backs against the wall, defending that they uh, they put in on uh, on Tuesday night. But uh, it's it's nice to see him doing all right, isn't it? I think I saw at least like five quote tweets from various Wednesday nights pointing out that, the that uh, was... first leg of the Huddersfield uh, playoff game, <laughs> which we watched, and I think we realized within five minutes in the football factory, oh, there, this is going to be zero zero. We better not concede. Uh, we're not scoring. Are, are Swansea still in the FA Cup? They yes, haven't. they go to Notts County in the next yes. next round this weekend. So, so do we a have possible, a? Uh, there's possibility of a uh, of a Wednesday. Man, that would be Carlos poetic. Yes, wow. that assumes anyone assume. cares about the FA Cup, which we will try to determine in this next segment, which is ostensibly previewing the. Reading game in the fourth round of the FA Cup. As we already talked about Reading when we played Reading a few weeks ago and it almost ruined uh, Paul's relationship. We will steer more towards the FA Cup broadly, as we have three Americans on the show. Should we care about the FA Cup um, as Wednesday fans and really even as Americans, Luke? Um, it's a it's a competition. And if you support a team in a competition, yes. you, you kind of have to, you know... You have to watch the game. You have to at least... And we can't watch the game. But... <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, okay. So we have to um, watch the Twitter feed, and I guess it'll probably be on the radio, right? Sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I follow audio. Yeah. yeah. So, so yeah. I mean, I, I find the FA Cup to be... I don't know. I kind of like it. It, it. it reminds me of our own uh, Open Cup. It is very Cup. American. Yeah. It is. It is very uh, March Madness, very playoff centric in a way, and that kind of. Well, they only have to play the one game, except for sometimes they don't. I mean, you know the 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 rules lawyer minutia in me, um, lover and me definitely definitely was a kind of strange. Oh well, you know this year they're doing something a little different. Um, so yeah, I, I think the FA Cup is a is a worthy competition to to put some energy into and i think especially this year too there you know the last couple seasons we've sort of been like oh we need to focus on the playoff push you know a couple seasons before that uh, we're at a relegation scrap yeah. uh, this year it's almost like yeah, look i don't want to look i'm a wednesday fan i'm well aware how dangerous this is to say but i think the bottom of the league is bad enough they're not likely to end up in a in a in a long term relegation scrap, they're clearly a ways off the top six. They're not 
you know, they're reasonably positioned to do a little something in the FA Cup. They're well organized at the back right now. I think, you know, Reading at home is a very winnable game. Obviously, they had Carlisle before, which was, you know, shouldn't have taken a replay to dispatch, but it was a thing that happened. If you look at the rest of the, you know, the teams in at this phase, you know, they, look, they could draw Man City in the next round, and that's that, but there's a, there's a path towards, you know, a little FA Cup run here, and that, in what is otherwise probably going to be a, a bit of a lost season. It could be fun. It's something worth uh, following. You know, you have a potential Swansea matchup, you know, in the cards. You get a big, you know, a big club coming to Hillsborough or a fun away day at, you know, Anfield or the Etihad. Or right, I th- you, could get, you could get another Sheffield United uh, match out of it too since they're still in it and I think have a have a fairly they have Ipswich or something in the next round they have a fairly easy uh, Preston Preston yeah yeah I think you're exactly right you know at this point you know we're, we're fairly deep into the, the cup and um, you, you play for it you get excited about it you, you root for the squad I think you know rounds one two three early on in the season it's just kind of it's an extra match where you, you just pray especially if you're us right now you just pray no one gets injured. You just um, you pray maybe you, you don't embarrass yourselves against a Carlisle or, or someone like them. So um, yeah, right now let's let's go for it. Uh, I, I don't I'm not opposed to putting a couple of the young guys in the squad f- for the match because there's n- not much to lose. Um, but yeah, I'll be excited if we win and excited to see who the next draw is. And, uh, a little cup run could be fun. Look at Wigan. I mean Wigan. Uh, got to the the final of the year they were relegated and then close to the final the next year so they didn't have much to play for they were they're crapping all over their season and all of a sudden they had a good time toward the end so it's always no, fun hang on, your, your, your analog here is that a team that got relegated did well <laughs> so we should try and uh, copy that particular <laughs> exception no nah, i'm just saying that they didn't have much to play for they weren't you know it, it was it was a dismal season or abysmal season excuse me and um you know, they, they still had still had something to look forward to. Our season isn't that as a, our season isn't as abysmal, but it's not like we're fighting for promotion at the moment. So it's not abysmal, but it is dismal. Yeah, I think that's a pretty pretty fair encapsulation. I mean, look, we're we're not going to be fighting for promotion. Let's let's be very clear with ourselves. Um, you know, we keep on grinding out these nil-nil draws. We'll we'll slowly bore ourselves all into an early uh, early late season stupor, but um, we're we're not going anywhere near the playoffs with them. So, and that's fine because we're you know we, we've already said this is about stabilising the uh, stabilising the club, starting to rebuild the team. A few FA Cup matches along the way gives us good, some good match practice and a chance to try some things out, try some players out, try things against different opposition, maybe some Premier League opposition if we can uh, if we can advance a bit further. I'm fine with that. Um, it, it's a very different proposition when you're pushing at the sharp end and you don't want the distraction. I think now it's actually quite a, a sort of helpful additional flow of games for us. And the other thing it does, and, and someone uh, who we may have spent quite a bit of time with yesterday on a uh, on a collaboration podcast pointing this out, um, the more games we play in the FA Cup, the more league matches get pushed to the back end of the season when we get valued players back. So, uh, so that helps us as well. I just wish it wasn't Reading we were playing. <laughs> There's nothing more boring than Reading. There's nothing more boring than playing Reading. And there's really nothing more boring than playing Reading on a Friday night uh, when there's only audio available. I mean, it's um, it's about the epitome of the most boring game that we could possibly have conjured up for the fourth round. To, uh, to just to show you how the sausage is made, folks, 
we've actually scheduled a conference call for Owls Americas during the game, so we don't have to listen to it. <laughs> Which is going to make the time valuable. I'll be, you know, you've got to put it in perspective. Last year when we played Reading at home again on a Friday night, and I think it was St Patrick's Day as well, which kind of complicated the matters of trying to uh, trying to watch the game. Turned out we couldn't watch it because for whatever reason the feed is pre iFollow, so mm. uh, it, there was no no live feed. Um, we ended up with uh, sat in the back of an Irish. Oh, pub. this is the one where you uh, were. Yeah, you were at Smithwick. Yeah, with a uh, with a, a speaker and a pint glass, trying to kind of desperately listen. And obviously, the game mattered a lot more last season than it does this season. Um, and of course, we lost miserably. Um, so we've we've got bad jaded memories. So it was important that we gave ourselves a distraction for uh, for Friday night. So just to uh, to to the point of the it'd be a nice little cup run here. Here's some of the teams Wednesday could play uh, in a hypothetical. Uh, Round five. The winner of Milton Keynes Dons versus Coventry City. If it's MK Dons, that will be a fun game preview segment for James. Uh, Hull City, Nottingham Forest winner. Blunts and Preston North End. Millwall and Rochdale. Knotts County and Swansea City. Wigan and West Ham. It's a David Moyes team. I'm reasonably confident and then you've got some some big clubs obviously you know chelsea and newcastle are playing each other they draw man city they could draw liverpool they could draw man U. you know all fun away days or fun games if they come to hillsborough big gates as it were though that's i think of less interest to us than it was when uh we hosted arsenal in the league cup a few years back because we've gotten a taste of it but you know there's a, there's a nice little FA Cup run possibility. And really, you beat Reading, all of a sudden, you're two games from Wembley. It's not the Wembley we want, though, is it, Jeff? That's why we're all quiet. <laughs> it's one thing to say we, we get to Wembley in the FA Cup semi-final, but yeah, we, we, we don't want to go to Wembley for that. We want to, uh, we want to go for potential Wembley to get trophy. back into the Premier League. It's a, it's a potential trophy, and it's, and it's uh, money in. Europa League. This is so Wednesday. We're we're grasping at straws. Uh, we are not going to win the FA Cup. Uh, we're not going to the Europa League. We Come might make the uh, the sixth round. But you know, let's let's have fun while we're on the way. Um, but let's get ourselves to ready to uh, to blitz the championship next night, season. <laughs> uh, excuse my cynicism. Uh, this is a serious question. Do do you know the uh, the purse for winning the FA Cup? I mean, what what kind of what kind of payout is there? Is I think money? it's in the six or seven figures. Well, I mean, is it for your position in the league table? I assume you get money for the FA Cup. Well, on FIFA, you sure do. <laughs> so it's got that's got that is, it's got to be the real. most American thing that's ever been said on this podcast. <laughs> uh, yeah. Winners will pocket around one point eight million. Uh, so nothing too significant uh, as far Joey as the FFP goes for us. <laughs> yes. Well, there you go. Uh, this feels like it's about time we should start wrapping up the show. You're, you're right. Go ahead. <laughs> this has been episode 16 of the Owls. AmeriCast, Sheffield Wednesday Opinion with American Accent. You can find us on the internet at owlsamericas.com. You can email the show at owlsamericas at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at owlsamericas. Our podcast intro and bumpers are the fellow Wednesdayites, Reverend and the Makers. The podcast is on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, Podbeam, and probably anywhere else you choose to download podcasts. 
There's no wrong way to listen to this show. Just do what feels right. Wherever you choose to consume the Owls Americast, we ask that you rate and review the podcast as it helps more Wednesdayites find our ramblings. And speaking of ramblings, you can leave the show a voicemail on our dazed and mumbled line at 1-401-307-1867. International rates do apply. You can dial it for free using Google Voice. James is on Twitter, at Manhattan Owl. James, can you give us a preview of your MK Don's preview segment? Don't go to Milton Keynes. It's flat. It's grid-like without any sort of American... Uh, Chutzpah. And uh, yeah, it's, it's only worth passing through on a train. Um, there we go. I don't need to do it. You can just clip that and use that when we, uh, when we, uh, when we meet them in the FA Cup. Evan is on Twitter at Ohio Al. Evan, uh, do you have any other advice based off playing FIFA for the rest of the Wednesday season? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, use the the cheat codes where you can uh, do a financial takeover and you get like $38 million to spend in the transfer window. Um, that's actually probably the best advice I can give them. I think they already tried that a couple of years ago and it's petered out since then. Well, you got to spend it right. <laughs> Luke is on Twitter at Luke a H Luke. Actually it's uh, at on uh, Dutch injured 11 <laughs> something. Uh, Luke, what have you been drinking tonight? Uh, actually, I just finished up a, a small glass of Catamaro, a um, a uh, bitter Italian aperitif that I highly recommend. Thanks. And I'm on think... Twitter, at Jeff Paternostro. I should probably tell you where the meetups are since Patty's not here, as you can tell because the show is spiraled out of control. But of course there are no meetups because we're not on TV because it's the FA Cup and it's a Friday night. But... We will be back here next week to review that game and other things on the Owls AmeriCast. Matthias and New is well, not quite a double switch uh, in the Cardiff game. It was functionally that, and we saw Matthias and New and Sort of a longer outing against uh, oh, my brain's completely gone. So they go here quite this late at night. Against one of those teams. Yeah. <sighs> Wait one second. Yeah, Coco's starting to get to you. Mm. Jeff, what's going on here, mate? I just that forgot was, uh... that we played in the FA Cup, it's fine. That's fine. Just make sure you clip that out and put it on the uh, the post credit section. That'll be yes, fine. That's... <laughs> Very good. Very good. Um, so all you need to do is go back and say Carlisle. Yeah. It's fine when you have Cardiff and Carlisle. Yeah, that's a great question. I think my biggest... Um... My biggest curiosity, I guess, lies with Pulapesi, or however we want to say it. I know, um, I know that. My gosh, I'm I'm having. Oh, sorry, just got a message.
Luke, are we going to let Luke join? <laughs> wow, professional pod this week, guys. Yes. Yeah. God. Jeff, you've got some editing to do, mate. Are, are we going to bring him in or, or no? If not, I'll just pick up where I left off. Uh, let's see if I can find him. I don't know if I have my contacts, so I guess that's a no. Hi, everybody. Oh, he, he's in. Hey, hi. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. no, apparently I accepted the call about 20 minutes ago, but my headphones were in and I didn't realize it. Oh, so you've been listening this whole time? No, for about the, like the last three or four. I waited until the break to kind of pipe up because I didn't want to. <laughs> the <come>. break. <laughs> yeah. When Jeffrey loses his train of thought. Gotcha. Uh, sorry, you, you heard you heard Jeffrey's moodiness about. Uh, mm. I haven't got him in my contact, so he can't come in. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, obviously, I did because I think I tried to add him earlier. <laughs> I couldn't find him again at that moment. Oh, okay, right. how do we want to handle this, Jeff? Yeah, I was just going to say, how do you want to patch this together? I can finish my thought and then. Um, well, this or... is a perfect segue, right? So if you you finish your thought, Evan, um, and that'll open up the debate on the uh, the strike partnerships, and Luke, you can just pitch in with a controversial opinion. Yeah. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Okay, wait. Uh, give me a second. There All right. Go. And that means I... that means I can be quiet and leave you guys to it. All right. I think I got it. Okay. No. Okay. No. Westwood's still injured. Never mind. <laughs> You're gonna put him up front. I mean, yeah. Why not? Right. I think yeah, I, Evan was about to suggest like Joey Pelopesi, I think, so. And by the way, everyone, Luke joined the podcast while uh, while you were sleeping. So welcome, see, Luke. See Evan, Hi, everybody. see, Evan, what I was going to do there was at the end of the show, I was going to go back and introduce Luke and just oh. when he jumped in and we, yeah. We're going to still do that. There's going to be a lot of post-credit stuff is basically what's going to happen now. Sorry, Jeff. We, I didn't mean to make your uh, editing job worse. No, it's fine. <laughs>